I can't, uh, I don't think there's any two words in the English language that, um, that tick me off more, more than I can't. Um, and it, it's one of those things, it really, it, my children know this, it, it's like nails on a chalkboard for me, that, that when I ask them to do something, and it's, I can't, and I'm like, you haven't tried yet, yeah, but I can't. Um, and, and in all my kids, I, I think that the worst um, about this are my, my older ones, right? So I've got, I've got six kids, and it seems like the older they get, the more they begin to use that word. And, and I was thinking about it, and I'm like, is it just laziness? I mean, because teenagers are pretty pathetic. I think we can all agree on that. And it's just like, I mean, you just don't want to do it? Is that what it is? Um, I remember uh, one time my, my son, it's been a few years ago, but it was right around 13, I asked him, I said, here, um, can you cut up these vegetables for me? He's like, I can't. And I'm like, no, you just take it and just slice it and just slice it. I mean, we're just slicing here. I can't do it, Dad. Like, I'm like, come on now. And, and so we get into this, this argument, and, and finally, you know, I'm just like, just whatever. Just get out of here, and I'll do it myself. Um, but, but I think what, what's taken place is, is over time, um, my kids have failed, right? Um, my little ones, they think they can do anything. Um, they think that they can fly or, you know, whatever. I remember there was a few um, summers ago, they're like, we're going to learn German and Spanish. I'm like, well, you're like eight years old. Like, <laughs> in my mind, I'm like, no, you're not. And, but, you know, you don't want to crush their dreams. Um, but then as they get older, it's, I can't do that. Like, it's, the doubt sets in, right? Um, fear sets in. Excuses set in. And they, they get to this place where I can't do it. I've, I've hit this roadblock too many times. I'm, I'm not capable. I'm not able. Um, and and the, the innocence of a child, um, which says I can do anything, is taken from them. And it's I can't succeed. I can't accomplish this. I can't learn something new. And so um, tonight's message is titled this, Unchained from Can't. And that's probably not grammatically correct, but, um, you know, I only went to the 10th grade, so it's okay. Um, but what we want to talk about is, is letting go of, of those excuses, right? Letting go of procrastination, letting, letting go of, of the doubt that, that says that you can't succeed. You know, Jesus said that, that it's those that are like little children that enter the kingdom of heaven, right? That, that those are the ones. Um, and the thing that he's talking about is that faith, right? And that faith, that realization, that expectation that, that great things can take place. Unfortunately, as we grow, we begin to lose that mindset and adopt this self-limiting mindset that says, I'll never achieve that. You know, I remember there was a season of my life that the prospect of sobriety was unrealistic. Um, and I remember time and time again, even quitting smoking, right? I would, I would set down the cigarettes, but I wouldn't throw away the Zippo because I'm like, I'm probably going to need that again. <laughs> I started the whole endeavor with, with a mindset of failure, right? And we, we step into it thinking that, that that'll never be me. As I stepped into leadership here, it was, I'll never, I'll never be like that guy. I'll never, I'll never be able to do that. It was just self-limiting on, on all the things that, that I set out to do and set out to achieve. And I understand to a degree, I understand. Um, again, I used to be somebody who was convinced that, that all of these things were impossible, that I would never obtain the freedom I have, the life that I have, that I would never have the marriage that I have or be the dad that I am, that, that none of this was for me. And so I get it. I get it. Get sober? I can't. Stop being driven by anger? 
I can't. I'm still working on that one. Fight back depression. I can't. And in so many ways, the sentiment was increased as I became a Christian. Couldn't, I couldn't do these simple things, right? And then the bar was raised. Well, come into faith. Come into faith. I mean, if I do that, <laughs> I, I got to put others first. I can't do that. I can't be selfish and self-centered. I can't do that. I would look at people in the church and I would look at these, these men who were mentors to me and I thought, I will never be disciplined enough to, to read the whole Bible, right? to go through all of it front to back. I can't do that. And so it was self-defeating, right? And the more I leaned into it, there was this season where I was like, man, the bar just keeps going up and my ability keeps going down. I can't. I can't. I can't. Every passage of every command in the beginning, it elicited those words. If it were impossible, though, if a life like that was impossible, would God have called us to it? That was the realization I had. I mean, God doesn't set impossible tasks in front of us. He's not out to get us. He's not seeking to make us fail. Actually, the entire truth of what he sent his son to do is so that we would find success even in the midst of our failure, right? That, that he sent Christ Jesus while we were sinning, while we were messing up with the sole purpose of extending that fig leaf to us so we could find something other than failure, so that we could break away from that mindset of I can't do this, I can't succeed. Paul says this in Romans 12, verse two. He says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. See, I can't, but Jesus can. That, that's the secret. When you read that, it's, but let God. That's where I missed it. I came into faith and it was, <laughs> but let Aaron, right? Oh man, I'm just gonna have to be stronger now. I'm gonna have to work harder now. That's why it was so defeating in the beginning. I couldn't do these simple things on my own, much less these great expectations now. I could barely stay out of Rogers County on my own and now I've gotta be a good person on top of it. I can't. And again, the reason was I put the burden solely on my, my shoulders. And it wasn't until this moment, this realization, that it was a, a but God do these things, but let God transform you. God shapes and molds. God breaks away those barriers. God tears down those strong colds. God deals with the self-defeating beliefs. We only need to surrender. We only need to let go. We only need to step back and allow more of him to shine through in every area of our lives. Let God transform you. Tonight, I want us to begin looking at what seems like a mountain of change. As, as I know this, many of us, as we've stepped into this room tonight, are, are here because there's something in our lives that, that holds us back. There's something in our lives that's defeated us time and time again. 
there's something there that, that seems like a mountain. And every time you step up to it, you tell yourself, I'll never be able to scale this Mount Everest. I'm too damaged, I'm too broken, I'm too far gone. For me, it was I came to the game too late, right? Man, all these other Christians, they've been, they've been going to church since they could, you know, waddle. I've just, I'm 30 years old. It's too late for me. But as we begin tonight, I want you to begin to, to see that mountain in its true light. And I believe as you do, it'll be revealed as nothing more than a molehill. So as we begin tonight, we're going to be in Mark, Mark chapter 9, uh, starting in verse 17. Um, here, Jesus is on the scene, and, and as he's showing up, there, there's a great crowd, and, and Scripture actually says, in their awe, they ran to him. And, and I, I don't know why that's there exactly, but it just kind of stuck out to me as I was, I was seeing that. I mean, Jesus just shows up, and it was just like a kind of moment, and I believe it's just relatable to me, it has nothing to do with what I'm going to talk about, but, but as they seen him, they, they had that like in their awe, and, and they, they run to him, and starting in 17, it says this, one of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk, and whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. And so here's this man. And he's not just a man, he's a father. And if you're a parent in here, I mean, if you've ever had your child um, in any type of way where you could do nothing about it, where you felt helpless, I don't think there's... I don't think there's a worse feeling that you can have. And as he ran to him, he's like, they, they can do nothing. I can do nothing. What will you do? What will you do? And Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion. And he fell to the ground, breathing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. Say if you can. If you can. So here's this boy, he's at his, or this father, he's at his wit's end. He approaches Jesus. He has just enough faith and, and understanding to have some belief that God can do something. And then even in this moment, he's, it's help us if you can. And I just can't help but see the parallel of how many times I've prayed prayers and this is my true sentiment. I, I've, I've gone to God, Lord, help me. <laughs> Lord, help me to be the husband my wife deserves. And it's under my breath, if you can, if you can. God, help me. Help me to be the father that I should be, to love my children the way they deserve, if you can, if you can. I remember trying to get out of addiction. I would, I would go to men's conferences. I would do these things. Like I had enough faith to know that I needed to be here, that there must be something about all of this. I could sense it. I could feel it. I could see it. But I would pray to God, Lord, take away this addiction, if you can if you can. And that's how I would approach him. 
I like this next part. He says, what do you mean if I can? I mean, what a ridiculous approach. I mean, if we've bought in to the reality that there's a creator God that, that loved us enough to send his, his son to die for us. And, and if, if, even if we're there at that moment asking, it's what a ridiculous sentiment. What do you mean if I can? Jesus asked, anything, say anything. Anything is possible if a person believes. And I love this because there's been times that I've done that and it's my, my unbelief is met with something that, that should elicit more from me. And it says the father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me to overcome my unbelief. How many of us have been there, right? That I do believe, but Lord, I'm doubting you. Like, I don't know. Have you seen this mess? You don't know what you're getting into. You don't know. You don't know what goes on up here. You don't know where I come from. You don't know the neighborhood that I grew up in, right? God, you don't know. Of course, I have faith. I do believe, but help me to overcome my unbelief. You know, as Christians and as we come to our faith, um, I think the reason that we never speak this out loud is because somehow we think that that faith is something that comes without question. That, that faith in, in God is, is, it's, can only be absolute. And to doubt it all is sinful. Or maybe to doubt it all puts us in a category where God's not gonna move any longer in our situation. And it's like, well, I was gonna do something, but, and you just, you didn't, you didn't think I was really gonna do it. So now I'm not gonna do it. But here's this man is like, I believe, help my unbelief. And when we see the disciples, they often struggled with belief. Faithfulness isn't just blind trust all the time. It's hoping for what we cannot see. But doubt, doubt's okay as long as we bring those doubts to God. And so point number one is this. We must take our doubts to God. When we're dealing with can't, I can't do it. What if we said, God, man, take this addiction from me. I can't see how you're gonna do it. Reveal it to me. Show me. God, I'm so messed up. I need to be a better husband. I don't see how I can. God, show me. Rather than reserving that part for us, when we doubt, we should doubt with Jesus. When we doubt, we should bring those to him. Otherwise, we, we take those things and we wrestle, wrestle with them with the world. And we go out there and you know what the world says? Yeah, you're too broken. Dude, you messed up. God can't help you. God can't move. You can't do that. But again, we must take those doubts to God. Again, doubt does not negate faith. The disciples continue to follow Jesus despite their doubts. Likewise for us, 
the existence of doubt in our lives does not mean we no longer have faith. Ask him to help you with it. Yes, I believe. Help me overcome my belief, my unbelief. Yes, I believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak. He said, I command you out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into a violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said he's dead, but Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet and he stood up. We think that if we doubt, Jesus won't move. And here in this moment, that man said, God, help me here. Help me with this unbelief. And this boy was healed. As you struggle with I can't, take your doubts to God. If you would, uh, open up your Bibles, Hebrews 10, 19, as we look up point number two. Um, here in Hebrews, Hebrews 10, 19, it says this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty conscience has been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water. And I love that because it's really talking about the gospel, right? That, that because of what Jesus has done, we're, we're able to be in God's presence. We're made new um, in all of these things. Then the writer of Hebrews um, in verse 23, it says this, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. What hope? That the hope of Jesus, what, what, what he's done for us. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. I love this. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning after we receive the knowledge of truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that will overcome these sins. There's no longer any sacrifice that overcomes these things. That the God's moved in our lives. And oftentimes, not only do we say, I can't, but we make excuses for our behavior. This is just who I am, right? This is, this is who I'll always be. Well, I've got this damage here. Um, I, I struggle. I struggle with this. That this is why. Well, I've always said the F word, every other word, you know. So it's just what I'm going to do. Um, whatever, it, whatever it may be, and we make excuses for our behavior. And and so here we see that that God's done these things. I mean, if if God is if God has done this, right? That. He's made it so we can boldly enter the most holy place. That, that by his death, he opened a new and life-giving way. A new and life-giving way. I mean, that, that's the belief that we're buying into, right? That, that, that we can go into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. Our guilty conscience cleaned. 
Our bodies been washed pure. Like, if that's the belief, why do we make excuses for staying dirty? If we've been made new, why do we continue to carry the old self with us? That, that these things are, are either true or they're not. And again, it says if we deliberately continue sinning, and I think there's a truth there that we should see. Deliberate means intentional, right? If we go on choosing to live that, well, choice is choice. And oftentimes we make excuses. This is who I am. Now it's who you're choosing to be now. God's moved in your life. You were powerless before, stuck in addiction. You encountered Christ. Then we, we choose to stay the way that we were. And so as we deal with can't, as we unchain ourselves from it, point number two is this. We must stop making excuses for disobedience. God, God's given us the ability. Again, not because we're strong, but because he is. But let God transform you. Those strongholds, those, those things that, that hold us in captivity, they can be broken away by stepping back and allowing more of Jesus, right? And allowing God to transform us. And we must stop making excuses for our disobedience. Romans 6, 1 through 2 says this. Um, it says, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? And if you're, you're in here and you're not a, a Jesus follower and you don't buy into to all of this and you've never committed, this, this doesn't make sense to you. And I, I get that. I'm grateful you're here with us. But as Jesus followers, as Christians, for those of us who, who have a, a Christ-centered recovery, our belief is that God's Holy Spirit makes us dead to who we were, right? We're, we're made new. And, and if that's the case, how can we go on sinning? for we have died to it. So we have to stop making excuses. And that's hard. That means we take responsibility. Responsibility is a dirty word. We don't like to say it, right? Nobody wants to take responsibility. But we must. If we're gonna break away from can't, we have to stop making those excuses. Recognize the role that we play in our lives. Recognize the role that we play in our choices and in our actions. Take responsibility for them and stop making excuses. Again, point number two, we must stop making excuses for disobedience. If you guys would, turn with me to Ephesians 5. We'll be in verse 15 as we look at point number three. Uh, Ephesians is a letter written by the Apostle Paul um, to the church of Ephesus. And here in verse 15, it says this, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. I, I love, <laughs> it's such a short passage, but I love it. So much truth here. Be careful how you live. So there's a, a prompting to be intentional, right? I mean, to not carelessly live your life, to, to be intentional 
about the, the type of man you're going to be, the type of woman you're going to be. Be, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools. Um, I, I love, again, Don Long says this, we don't, we don't live like this no more, right? Don't, don't live like fools. That's, that's the old you. Now, don't live like fools, but like the wise, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. And I love that last part because we have opportunities day in and day out. Um, today, I had the opportunity to, to, to follow the Lord, right? To be good, make good choices. And I had the opportunity to make bad choices. Uh, Friday, I've been, I've been training to, to do a triathlon race. And it's one of the things that um, I've been spending a lot of time doing. And so Friday, I had a game plan. How many of you like it when your plans are jacked up? Yeah, me neither. Um, so I was going to show up at the pool, like first thing, opens at eight. But, but first, we had to drop a vehicle off with my wife. We're going to drive straight from the tire place there and swim. We get there. Everything's good. Everything's going according to plan. There was a little bit of rain, a little bit of storm. And so we show up to the pool and they inform us that the pool is closed because it's lightning. And I'm like, so first I'm like, all right, so the storm's outside, the, the pool's inside. But because something's happening outside, we can't use the inside pool. All right, all right. I said, yeah. And he said, it'll be about 10 minutes. So, okay, okay. Um, I can wait 10 minutes. I get in there and it's like, yeah, pool's not open. Hey, listen, dude, I get it. Pool's not open. Dude says it's 10 minutes. Oh, no, it's going to be 30, 45 minutes. Like, well, that guy said it's going to be 10 minutes. Oh, I don't know what he's talking about. Who'd you talk to? The guy up front. That's who I talked to, right? I mean, what do you mean who'd I talk to? I just made it up. No, he said 10 minutes. And so then I go back to this other lady. It's going to be a long time. A long time's not a time frame. There's no number there. What's a long time? I know you guys can't relate. I'm still very upset about it. Um, so here I am, you know, just hanging out in my swimsuit, waiting a long time, whatever the heck that means. And I may have said some things I shouldn't say under my breath that my wife could hear. And she's like elbowing me. They're going to hear you. And I don't know if you've ever been to the wreck, but everything echoes, right? I don't talk quietly. Like, I'm not only cracked out when I drink C4, I wake up this way. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, it's like, I'm sure everything I say is just echoing. But you know what? I had an opportunity there. Completely blew it. Completely blew it. It's a good thing I wasn't about to invite them to church. They wouldn't come. Hopefully they didn't recognize me right? It's, it's one of those things. But, but we have to make the most of every opportunity, whether it's to treat people <laughs> the way that we should treat them. You need to calm down, Adam. <laughs> treat people the way we should treat them or just make choices, right? That you have the opportunity. Uh, you, can, you can leave this place. You can go back to your addiction tonight or, or you can resolve to, to maintain sobriety, you can leave this place tonight and, and you can go back to the brokenness of your relationship. I'm not saying leave your spouse or something, but I mean, you can go back and, and continue to operate in unforgiveness, um, cold shoulder, not speaking, or you can make the most of every opportunity and, and try to turn that ship before it's too far gone. And no matter what it is, we are empowered 
because of what Jesus has done for us. We have the ability, if we would only let God transform us and do the work, we don't have to be stuck in I can't. We don't have to be hindered by these self-limiting beliefs that we can never succeed or, or ever do that. But if we're going to, we must take advantage of the opportunities in front of us right now. So oftentimes, I can't is only true because we never. I can't be a good husband if I never start. You know what? I could never have quit smoking until I did. I could never have gotten sober until I stopped drinking. Couldn't stop getting high until I stopped buying it. Some of you just need to start right there. Just stop buying it. <clears throat> right? Whatever it is, the starting place is always the same. And it's just taking advantage of the opportunity that's in front of you right now. Today. Don't, don't wait for tomorrow. Don't wait for next week. We must take advantage of every opportunity in these evil days. Stop procrastinating. It goes on in verse 17. It says, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourself and making music to the Lord in your heart and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instead of I can't, let Jesus. I want you to do this just right where you're at um, in this moment. Um, again, I know this. Every single one of us have something that, that we want to be different in our lives. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not talking about superficial things. I'm talking about something real of substance, something that, that lines up with God's will for your life. There, there's something there that you've said, I can't. I'll, I'll never be able to do this. This will always be there. I'll always hold on to it. Whatever it is, whatever that is for you, I want you to just begin to think about that. Just right where you're at. Heads bowed, eyes closed, and just remind yourself, I can't, but Jesus can. Father God, I thank you, Lord, that no matter what's going on in our lives, Lord, you're not surprised. Our mistakes, our failures, our struggles, none of them catch you off guard. And Lord, I thank you that even in the middle, the midst of all of that, God, you still desire us, you still love us, you still pursue us. And so Father, I pray for those that, that have yet to fully hear comprehend and understand those that have yet to make you Lord God I pray that that they would understand that that's where it begins and that they would 
seek you as you've sought them. Lord, that they would open the door that you stand at and knock and that they would receive you. And Father, I pray for those who've been trapped by self-limiting ideas and beliefs. God, that those that have placed their power and ability on you and thought, because I'm weak, God must be weak. Because I can't, he must not be able to. That they would crush those thoughts and ideas with the realization that you can, that you want to, and that you will, so long as we surrender it all to you. And so, Father, I pray that tonight you would just begin to move in their situations, in their lives, and deal with these, these broken areas, Father. And we just thank you that you're faithful to finish what you started. And we pray all of that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So to recap tonight, as you're dealing with can't, realize that you must take your doubts to God. Wrestle with him. Wrestle with him. Say, God, I don't see how. Help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. Number two, stop making excuses for disobedience. Don't give yourself an out. How often do we do that? Don't make excuses for what God's already dealt with. And number three, take advantage of the opportunities in front of you. You know what that means? Today, like just start today. Start today. So our action steps, have an honest conversation with God, present your concerns to him and seek the truth. I love that. I mean, we treat him like a genie and <laughs> we, and God grant this wish. Talk to him. Talk to him. Let him know. I'm struggling here. Help me. Help my unbelief. Number two, set goals for growth and change. Don't allow past mistakes or lies to hold you back. Don't make excuses. Get on target. Get on target at number three. Begin pursuing those changes now. Right now. Let God begin to work right now. And so all of this, everything we talk about here, I mean, it starts with Jesus. Again, this is, this is Christ-centered. We, we center our lives around him. We, we base every decision, at least we should, on him, Right? every action. And so if you're in here tonight and you find yourself struggling, hopeless, helpless, and realizing that there's got to be a better way, you're right. It's him. And I was once like you. I sat out there. I thought all of this was crap. (laughs) That's what? What do you mean? Jesus. It almost burned coming off of my tongue. Until one day I was like, you know what? What do I have to lose? Little did I know I had everything to gain. And so, if that's you today, I want to encourage you 
here in just a moment, we're gonna have some people up front. They would love to pray with you and for you so you can make the greatest decision of your life and that's to accept Jesus. That's where we realize we can't save ourselves. We can't, we can't do that on our own. We believe that he was the, the son of God. God in the body came to, to live and to die as a sacrifice for us and, and it's where we make him Lord. And so if that's you tonight, if you wanna make that decision here in just a moment when, when those people are down here at the front, they would love to pray with you and for you so you can make the greatest decision of your life. And maybe you're in here and you've done that, but you've gotten off track. You've, you've blown it. You've messed up, missed it. And you want to know, can, can I recommit? Can I come back home? Absolutely. If that's you, we want to pray with you too. The same offer stands here in just a moment. Come down front. Let us lead you back home. And then maybe God's just been dealing with something. Maybe it is that thought of, I can never, I can't. Oh, I hate that word. If that's you, I want to encourage you to come down and get one of these white chips. There's nothing special about them. It's a piece of plastic. But when we act on faith in knowing, right? God, I believe, but help my unbelief. And we step out saying, I don't know how you're gonna do it, but I'm gonna pick up one of those silly chips. I'm gonna put it in my pocket. And every day I'm gonna pick it up, but I'm gonna be reminded, God, you're dealing with this. You've dealt with it. It's done. If that's you, I wanna encourage you to come get one of these chips tonight and turn that can into a Jesus can. And then finally, if you just need prayer, you're in here and you just want somebody to journey with you, to pray with you, we would love to do that. This is, this is a house of miracles. It's a house of prayer. And we would love to pray with you. So for any of those things this evening, to give your life to Jesus for the first time, to recommit, to pick up a white chip, or just to receive prayer, I wanna encourage you to, to step up out of your seat and come down front. And if everybody else would stand to your feet as we close in worship.